This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Dr. Dawn on Careers, your personal career coach on SiriusXM 132. Hey, we're super excited to be kicking off a new decade with lots of fantastic changes. Most notably, our new name, Career Talk, is now Dr. Dawn on Careers, and we're increasing our focus even more on listeners with open calls all hour long. So if you're just tuning in, it's Thursday noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can call us right now at 844-942-7866. I'm Dr. Don Graham. In my day job, I lead the career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. Here with Dana Cash and Dion Simpkins, who are in the studio every week when we do this show because they make it fun and they make it run smoothly. So happy new year to you guys. So excited you're here. And we have a great show for you today because it is a new decade and we want to talk all about what you need to do to rock your career in 2020. So as we get started, Let's talk about current news. So we know it's a new year. It's January 2nd. And here's a quick roundup of some of the words that defined the last decade and became official dictionary entries. Hashtag, FOMO, flexitarian, that's a new one for me, meme, ping, glamping, mansplain, emoji, selfie, bingeable and athleisure. So the reason I bring this up is because one of the greatest ways to stay in a motivated state with relationship to any goals you're making for the new year is to give yourself a word of the year so that when you think about this word of the year, you think about what do I need to do to focus on this goal? So for some of you, it might be health, it might be marathoner, it might be clarity. Think about what is your word for 2020 and how can this help keep you motivated? Because let's just face it, it's a new decade. Welcome. It's your life. It's your choice. Dion, do you have a word of the year? I told you I was going to ask you this, but I know I gave you like 10 seconds. Yeah, you gave me like 10 seconds. All right. I don't have a word of the year, but the word hashtag is interesting to me though. Okay. Because you can always tell somebody's age range by if they know it as pound or as hashtag. Because mm-hmm. I know both. Like, I'm of the... My generation is like, we know both. Cusper. But there, but there are some that is just, like, it's just a hashtag. And if you say pound, they're like, well, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And there are people that, if you if you say hashtag to them, and they're like, it's a pound sign. That would be me. Are you making fun of me? <laughs> you, is, you know hashtag. I do. I do know hashtag. It took me a while to learn it. But I'm, I'm of the pound <laughs> generation. That's just the way it is. Dana, what's your word of the year? My word of the year um, is presence. I'm working on presence. What does that mean to you? Being, I think, a little bit of the tech addiction, you know, certain times of the day where the phone is not by me. Um, I was hoping we were getting presents. (laughs) That's so much better. (laughs) That would be better. Um, Being more present. Being more present. I love it. Hey, do you have a word of the year, something that's going to make this the best year yet for you? Give us a call, 844-942-7866. Of course, this is Dr. Donna on Careers. We are here for you all hour long if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, taking any and all of your job search questions at 844-942-7866. So today on the show, being that it's it's early in the new year, we're going to be sharing how the power has shifted back to you, the employee employee and job seeker and how you can use this current market shift to your advantage to advance your career. So you want to stay tuned this whole hour. To help us do that today, we have the man, the myth, the legend himself, Josh Burson, to give you the insider scoop on what you need to do to prepare for success in your career this year. And Just in case you haven't heard of Josh, you need to start following him. He's a world-renowned industry analyst and founder of Burson, a leading provider of research-based membership programs in human resources, talent, and learning. Every year, Josh 
speaks with hundreds of HR technology companies, visits hundreds of clients, and embarks on many case studies to learn about the new ideas and solutions in the talent management world. So if you are looking to make some career changes for this year, his insights will help you understand what to expect and better yet, give you the strategies you need to make this your best career year ever. So Josh, welcome to Dr. Don on Careers. We're so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Don. I'm excited to be here. And we're excited that you you jumped right back into the new year. It's January 2nd, so it's very early, and I know it's early for you out there on the West Coast. So thank you so sure. much. You are the go-to resource for talent management, HR, and career trends. So I want to I wanna dive right into this on a macro level. Let's talk about what some of this great news for job seekers would be because the monopoly of power has kind of shifted and I want to talk specifically about what you call the pixelated workforce and what Mm -hmm. this means and how our listeners can take advantage of it. Well there's a you know there's a lot of things going on in the workforce but the thing that's unique right now is there are actually a lot of jobs so most of you that are out there working and looking for jobs will find a lot of opportunities but they're not they're not they're not long-term careers like they used to be um, because there's so much mobility and so much demand for, for talent. So jobs are being pixelated, sort of like a TV pixels, into smaller and smaller chunks. And people are working in jobs in, for small, shorter periods of time. And in your actual work, what you'll find, even in a big company, is that you, while you may have a boss, you'll be working on lots of small things at the same time. And that's a little bit of the frustration we were talking just at the very, very beginning of the talk, is that Work is a very um, multi-pixelated, you know, sort of faceted thing. So you'll find that you'll have opportunities to work full-time in a company. You have opportunities to work part-time. There's gig work. There's contract work. Roughly a third of the American population now works in some form of contract or gig work. Many of those people do that on the side in addition to having a full-time job. My daughter, for example, has a full-time job as a marketing manager also runs a little business doing various types of yoga things and selling yoga products. Um, and so that's pretty common. So, so the world of work is kind of quite a bit different. You know, in my when I graduated from college in the 70s, you kind of hitched your wagon to one company and you kind of hung around for 30 years. It's just not like that anymore. That's a much more unusual situation. Yeah, and I think this is it's exciting on the one hand because as, you know, somebody myself who really likes a lot of variety in in, you know, a career and doing different things. I mean, we have now the the power to do that. We have the opportunity to take on new projects, maybe mm-hmm. outside of our our current work if they're maybe in the organization, maybe outside the organization and to kind of create these different streams of revenue which means that we're not as reliant on one employer. So, I think as you talk about this this has been called all alternative work arrangements for a while, but but what you're saying is this is becoming the norm. This is the new normal. Well, yeah, and what it means for, you know, for you as a worker or an employer, employee or, you know, someone looking for work is that in many ways, you know, your education isn't really the key to a great job anymore. It's your reputation, your experience, um, the people you know, um, you know, your, your own ability to sell what you know how to do. I mean, certainly, you know, most employers do look at college degree and pedigree to some degree, but that's becoming much, much less important. And so you have an opportunity now, something that I didn't have when I was young, is to create a career for yourself based on the experiences that you have and sell yourself to the next employer or the next job, the next opportunity, based on what you know how to do. And that's kind of a little bit of an intimidating idea for people that are just maybe new in the workforce, but it's actually very liberating if you think about it. Um, and because most of us, even by the time you graduate from college, you've had various different jobs and you've done different things in you know different parts of your early career. Those all can be leveraged now into the future with a lot less focus on did you go to this college and did you get this degree. Yeah, I think for people who have, if you if you inspect your values, and I encourage you all to do it, this is a perfect time of the year to do that, is what is really important to you? And your values are those things that you tend to spend time on. And for some, security is a very deep-seated value. And for those who have that value, this type of work arrangement, Josh, can be a little bit disconcerting, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you're still, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think I think gig work to some degree is a fallback opportunity for people that just either can't find, work full-time for some reason, they, have, they need flexibility, or maybe they just can't find the right role. Absolutely. A full-time job is always the best best place to learn and really dig in and get to know a company and have a great boss and all that. So I th- I'm, I'm not saying that isn't the best way to try to go out and find your career, but you do have a lot of options now that we didn't have a decade ago. Yeah, and I would argue that that even job security, I mean, that's one of the things that we know is is rapidly shifting as well. And in, in an article, one of my favorites um, by you, Catch the Wave, the 21st Century Career, mm-hmm. you, you quote um, Reed Hoffman, the LinkedIn co-founder, who says he believes that careers are now simply tours of duty. And right. I love that because I think that is such a great way to describe them. And here's the deal. Job security doesn't exist. It's a myth that we create in our head because we're getting a, a, a week paycheck or a monthly paycheck and we're with an employer. But as somebody who's been laid off twice due to market conditions and other things, we know that that security actually comes from a different place now. It comes from growing your skills, being diverse in your expertise and and focusing on a lot of different areas to grow your skills, specifically in the technology field. So I think that the fact that we're, we're being kind of pushed in this direction, Josh, actually gives us more security because we have many, many more options. Well, like, yeah, I'll tell you, when, so you've been, have you been laid off twice too, Don? So have I. <laughs> See? See? I, I think if you've been in the workforce any yeah. length of time, it's just kind of a rite of passage. It's going to well, happen. And I think the one point on that, I just want to make, you know, I think this idea of reinvention of yourself should be part of your, one of the words you should think about in 2020 is that it's okay to reinvent yourself on a regular basis. That's what the idea of the catch a wave is that, you know, you catch a wave, you ride it in, you go out and get a new wave. Because most people today, you know, younger people will live into their 80s, 90s, 100s. You're going to have a career that's 70 years long. So you're going to have a lot of time to do many different things. And the company you work for today may be out of business. The industry you work in is going to change. So it's okay to go back and, and do new things. Um, it's scary. Um, in fact, there's a really interesting book, um, an economics book. That the, the woman who just won the Nobel Prize just wrote a book on the economy. And one of the things she, she writes about in there is that some of the most successful people in the world are people that would have been uprooted from their homes by, you know, terrorists and other horrible situations and had to move and migrate to a new country because they had to reinvent themselves. And that process of reinventing themselves gave them the, you know, incentive to go out and do something new. And as scary as that is, that is, I think, really the way careers work today. They do. And here's the good news, though. Each time you do it, it gets easier. You figure out how to do it. You realize that it's not as scary as you thought it was. And at some point, for a lot of people, it actually becomes fun to know that if I'm going to be in the workforce for 50 years... I can do a lot of different things. I don't just have to pick one thing. It doesn't have to be the right thing, which is so much pressure, especially for young people who are thinking, what is it I want to do? Guess what? You can do so many things. So the only thing you need to figure out today is what you want to do next. And then down the line, then you can figure out what you want to do after. Hey, 844-942-7866. You are listening to Dr. Don on Careers. Same time, same channel. We, of course, are talking to Josh Burson, who is... A futurist and all things HR, technology, talent management, careers, and we are talking about what you need to know for 2020. Of course, it's always open calls here on Sirius XM 132 at 844-942-7866. So if you've got a question, you can call us right now if it's Thursday noon Eastern. We'd love to hear from you. Of course, you can also tweet at Dr. Don Graham. We'd love to hear from you there too. So so yeah, in this article, The Catching the Wave, you talked about expertise having an ever shorter shelf mm-hmm. life. And that's one of the things we're seeing for the new year as well. And you, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, potential over pedigree, a lot of these companies, particularly these big, big tech companies, aren't looking necessarily at education. They're saying, what have you done? Right. Have you? What are you doing during the day? Are you building software? Are you programming? Are you doing these things? Because they need people who who come in and can be agile and can shift with the way the market shifts and with their needs shifting. So they don't need somebody who's who's got concrete knowledge. They need somebody who's got knowledge that they can problem solve with and critical think and all of this stuff. So so let's talk about that. If you mm-hmm. have an expertise and you're really good at something, but there's a potential for the market to change that, what do you do? What can you do, Josh? 
Well, you know, I think, you know, I, you know, right now where I live, there's a lot of demand for software engineering and technical people. But, you know, I think about, you know, what, what I go back to the craftsmen who built your house or, you know, if you're a carpenter or a plumber or, you know, you have a basic job that is in big demand, you, you're not going to be good at that job just because you went to school and got a degree. What makes you good at that job is you've done it a lot. You've built a lot of different kinds of houses. You've handled different types of tools. You've worked for different contractors. You've worked on different kinds of uh, properties. You know, the experiences that you got through the different projects you did made you a better and better and better craftsman. And that's the way almost every job is now. Every, every job is really more like a craft, and you learn it by doing it and meeting the people that you respect and asking them questions and learning new tools and there's so much online learning now. You can go onto YouTube or many of the online learning websites and, you know, take an hour course on various different things. And that, con- that concept of continuously developing yourself is the center of your career. And employers see that in you when you go out and interview for a new job. They can tell that you have the appetite and the ability and the interest to learn new things if you've been doing it in, in your current situation. So it will make you more and more attractive to employers. You know, a lot of the big companies in Silicon Valley um, that came in, you know, sort of the last decade or two, started by hiring, you know, college kids who had computer science degrees from Stanford. And they've now realized that was a big mistake, that they're, you know, it's a very small pool. Um, Those are not always the most ambitious or creative people necessarily. I'm not saying they they aren't, but they may not be. And so they've all sort of relaxed all those requirements of what school you went to, and they're looking for people that really can roll up their sleeves and, and learn on the job. And so, um, so those are really attributes to me of, of really high potential and high-performing people today. Yeah, I call that I call that hunger. I think employers mm-hmm. want people who have hunger for for their mission, for what they're doing, for for the bottom line, for all of that stuff. And they want to see it. It's not enough to say it; you have to show it. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on careers, and we're going to go to our phone lines with Peter in Boston. Peter, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hi there. Yes, yeah, interesting conversation. Um, I work for a technology company, and what I'm noticing is, you know, kind of a mid to senior level, there's, instead of, you know, talking about job security, instead of them getting rid of you, there's all these reorgs that happen, and you have to redefine yourself. So it's akin to being in a gig economy, let's say, and, and, and searching for something externally, you're, you know, I'm finding that you have to do that internally, too. So mm-hmm. this idea of uh, you know, the hunger that you have. And, and if you want to do something, you show management that you can do it. And then it's up to that new executive if they want to take it on and put that in their portfolio. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are about, you know, internal versus external when you have a lot of reorgs going on. No, you're absolutely right. It's a really good point. You know, because companies are having such a hard time hiring, they're doing a lot more work to find skills internally. So there's this idea of the internal talent marketplace that's really become huge inside of big companies. And that means we as, as workers have to build a better network inside the company and think a little bit about our internal reputation. So when that next opportunity opens up, somebody says, oh, let's, let's have him come or her come in and take that, that job. So, so part of it is, um, you know, contributing to others in the workplace, which is always a good thing to do, helping other people, um, and getting to know what's going on inside the company, and then um, being willing to take maybe a little bit of a risk. One of the things in big companies is, you know, there may be a job in a different business unit or a different city or a different division. You think, well, if I go over there, you know, I, my current boss won't necessarily be happy, and maybe I won't know what the next opportunity is. Um, that's actually not a bad, it's still a good thing to do, because in big companies today, bigger companies, they want people that are flexible and can move around. So it's actually a really good point. Um, the other thing I would add is, in the old days, your boss used to be the sponsor that found you the next job. That's not so much true anymore. You might have a great boss who's very well connected and who really, really knows what the next opportunities are and will, will push you forward and help you find them, but you might not. Your boss may be doing th- the same thing himself or herself, so some of this now falls on your shoulders to just build better relationships and, and um, get to know what's going on inside the company. 
Yeah, I love that, Josh, because there's a lot of research on the fact that people who have a sponsor in the organization, so somebody who's at the table when those decisions are made, have a lot more opportunities. And Peter, you you bring up such a good point because I think one of the best things people can be doing inside their organization is continuously building those relationships with other departments, showing up to things that are outside of their their um, you know core job. You kind of got to get out of that mindset that well that's not my job and look at yourself as almost an owner in the organization and say what can I do how can I make this better how can I improve the customer experience because people notice and we've had uh, the amazing Carla Harris who's you know one of my favorites on the show and her line that most of the decisions about your career are made when you're not in the room was something that has stuck in my brain for (laughs) the last few years because the truth is it's the executives who see the new clients coming, who see the market shifts, who see the mergers and acquisitions, and they're already starting to think about who do I want to lead that project or who do I want to be in that role? And if they don't know you, your skills, your capabilities, and your interests, you don't get those roles, even if you're the most qualified person for that. So I think that is so incredibly important, Peter, and I'm so glad you called to bring that up. Um, what's, your, what's your next role then, Peter? Where are you going from here? a good question. I, this is a great. Uh, thank you for answering that. I, I'm debating whether I stay, and and uh, you know, kind of facilitate this this relationship building and communication for myself. I think you're absolutely right. These days, your role will be decided, and your future, you know, in the short term, possibly the medium term, will be decided when you're not in the room. So there's this constant building of relationships that you have to do. And I'm thinking, well. I'm doing that here. Why not? Why not take a look outside as well, outside the organization? Even though you're loyal, you built up equity and credibility. Um, it might be time to, you know, look inside as well as outside. So I think I'm going to do more of a comprehensive search, but I, mm-hmm. I still want to maintain because I do have that customer ownership. Uh, I still want to maintain a good footing while I'm inside the organization still. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think when when um, you know someone asks you, are you looking for a job? I think the right answer is always. And that doesn't mean you're necessarily throwing your resume out there. But what I'm saying is you're always talking to people. You're always networking. You're always finding out what's going on in the world, what's going on with your competitors, what's going on in the market industry you're in. Because, hey, you never know. There might be something that just makes sense or you might not see it coming, but a layoff may impact your organization. So I think it's always a good idea, Peter, to do exactly that. The other thing, Peter, the other thing I would say in my career, because I'm a little bit older probably than you are, <clears throat> is you'll be surprised that every relationship you make will come back later. You'll meet somebody inside the company. You'll interview with somebody. Maybe you won't take a job there. <clears throat> but later, sure enough, they're running something that you're really interested in. They come back to you. I have friends that I met in the 80s that have come back to me now 30 years later, uh, and we're working together again. So, um, so some of this is just building a network of people that you can keep in touch with. And it's become even easier today to stay in touch with people with social media. And I'm not even going to get into that, but we know that it's so much easier. Peter, thank you so much for calling us. We appreciate you listening to the show, and we wish you all the best in 2020. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. We are here every Thursday live. At noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and we're taking our calls right this second at 844-942-7866. We're talking all about the future and things you need to know for 2020. So if you've got a tip or a question, this is your time to give us a call. We're your personal career coach every Thursday at 844-942-7866. So Josh, Mm -hmm. Peter brought up like a great topic. And one of the things I'll tell you is a total pet peeve of mine, and I would love your opinion on this, is why do employees who are are great workers, loyal, and want to stay with a company have to leave to get a significant bump in salary? This drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. It's a big problem. I'll tell you a funny story. I was at a company in, in Asia, and I, I asked them about internal mobility. I said, you know, can people get promoted by going to this biz, from this business unit to that business unit? And they said, no, that never happens. But if they quit and they come back, they'll probably get rehired. So so basically, business execs inside of companies are beginning to see the problem. And the reason it is a problem is we have this old-fashioned, you know this, job leveling system, and you can't give somebody a big raise without jumping them up a bunch of levels. 
So if their demand in the marketplace shot up and they're suddenly worth a lot more money, it's very hard for the HR department to give them a big raise. And so, you know, there's a reality that you will usually get more money by going outside. Um, now, smaller, more agile companies are waking up to this. And they're beginning to realize that they have to review pay much more frequently, and they have to review it based on external market conditions, not just internal job levels. So one of the tech companies out here that I've worked with for a while now does um, fun, you know, basically salary or talent reviews every six months for all of the engineers in the company because they know that they're getting job offers and they're seeing opportunities in other companies. Um, but there is a good chance that you don't work in a company that's doing that. And, um, you know, and, and sometimes you may have to threaten and maybe you have to look for another job and go to your boss and say, hey, look, you know, I found an opportunity with 20%, 25% more. You know, can you guys do anything about this? And they probably will bend over backwards and try because that's the, sort of the market we're in today. But this is yeah. This is my point: is that people shouldn't have to. And something that I read in in one of the articles that you published, Josh, was that it can be six times cheaper to develop someone from within than to hire someone from the outside. And the reason I wanted to read that on air is because if you are getting a promotion or taking on additional work, and your company is saying, "Well, we can only raise you five percent because these are our policies." Use this stat. It is six times cheaper to develop someone from the inside. And I'm not saying threaten them because I think that would, you know, be the wrong move. And you really shouldn't have to. But I do think that more and more companies need to understand that these policies are stifling and that they're actually spending more money on on talent that they have to now train and mm-hmm. grow and develop anyway versus giving these fantastic employees an opportunity to make the money they deserve. It's driving me nuts, Josh. It's, no, it's actually kind of amazing. And if you know, if any of the listeners are, are managers, you, know, you guys need to think about this. When you lose somebody, you know, you have to. Not only do you lose the skills and relationships that person had, and all of the you know experiences they have in relationships with customers. Now you need to go out and recruit somebody. You need to pay for the recruiter. You need to spend months finding a person, bring them in, train them. They may not fit. <clears throat> it is very expensive to lose a person. Paying somebody a little more money to keep them happy is much, much more cost-effective in most situations than going back out in the job market and trying to replace somebody. So, so I think companies are beginning to realize that now. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. I hope that's a change we see coming in the next decade because not only that, obviously I'm a huge proponent of switchers, and I think this is one of the best ways to switch your functional career. If you're in an organization and you've proven yourself and you've done a good job, one of the best ways you can move around is move to a different function in your in your current organization where you already know the people, the process, the culture. And I think more and more companies are going to recognize that, that this isn't optional anymore because jobs will change and you will have switchers. And so to do this on a proactive basis is going to get you access to the best talent who will show up and have that hunger you're looking for. Hey, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. And we are here live Thursday at noon Eastern every week for you. We have Josh Burson on the show who's telling us everything we need to know about the future of work. But right now, we need to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? There is a quiz. And Dion, it's been a few weeks, so I know you're rusty. If you want to give give a call and help Dion out. Rustier than usual? <laughs> yeah, true. I didn't say it. You did. 844-942-7866. Okay, so over the break, I had the great fortune to go to Antarctica. So I had to pick a trivia question related to that. But don't worry. You don't have to know really anything about Antarctica. It's more of a science question. So here we go. That was my hint. All right. There is a lake in East Antarctica that never freezes, never freezes because of this. If you think you know, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Career Sirius XM 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Business Radio.
Welcome back to Dr. Don on Careers. We are here for you live every Thursday at noon Eastern, 844-942-7866. And it is a new year. We want you to rock your career. So give us a call with any of your career questions, 844-942-7866. If you haven't heard, Career Talk is now Dr. Dawn on Careers, but same great time slot, same phone number, and of course, all of the listener questions that you have, we want to answer. So give us a call anytime during the hour at 844-942-7866. We're very excited to have Josh Burson with us today. Josh spends all year talking to companies and clients and individuals and putting together case studies so that he can bring you everything you need to know about what's happening in the world of work. And we are here today to share how you can use that information to catapult your career. And Josh, where can people reach you if they want more information? Um, JoshBerson.com, J-O-S-H-B-E-R-S-I-N.com is probably the simplest way to find me. So um, there's a few other places, but that's a good one. Yep. And you want to follow him on Twitter. If you want to keep up with with what's going on, here's the deal. We are no longer in a time and place when we can just let our careers kind of ride the wave and see what happens. But that's also exciting because that means that there are so many different things that we can do today that we couldn't before. So if you missed the first half of the show where we talked about the pixelated career and potential over pedigree and all these other things, you can definitely catch that because we've replayed the show several times during the week on Sirius XM 132, but we also put it on iTunes and Google Play, Dr. Don on Careers. So um, I want to talk about a question that keeps coming up mm-hmm. and um, you know, people keep asking this, is a recession coming? Is it coming? When is it coming? What do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is the recession coming, Josh? Tell us. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I think things are slowing down and, you know, the, the CEO interviews, most, most CEOs are cautious about the next year. Um, But I think we're in sort of a weird time where there's basically two economies. There's the economy for people that are relatively well-skilled in cities with lots of jobs, mostly bigger cities, and it's a very, very good economy for those people. Um, And those are the the statistics that show that the unemployment rate is 3.5% and the GDP is growing. Um, But then there's people that are in small towns or don't have the right skills or find themselves in a situation where they where the jobs are not paying what they need to keep up with the standard of living and i think we've reached a point where you know at least in the big cities because i live in one of them that even the great economy is reaching its limits i mean in the san francisco bay area where i live the cost of housing is so high <coughs> that even people who come out here and make 100 150,000 dollars a year can barely afford an apartment so I, I think we're sort of at this, we're straining at the limits. And the fact that we have a lot of uh, questions about capitalism and, the, and the, the role of capitalism in society, to me, is an indication that, you know, maybe next year things will slow down a little bit. And frankly, I think it'd be good for, for the economy and most of us if it did. Well, that's, that's interesting. You know, one of the, by the way, one of the other <laughs> indications to me that, that we're probably ready for a slowdown is commute times. I read a study last year that said that the average commute in the United States went up 24 minutes in the last two years. 24 minutes a day in the car is not good. <laughs> Unless you're listening to this show, in which case we totally right. support That's that. true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, because people can't afford to live in the cities where the work is. But also one of the the predictions that I, I read was that work is going to be two things, actually. One, more remote. There's a lot more remote opportunities for people. And two, that, that some of these companies are going to be moving out into less populated areas because it's just too expensive to be in these big cities. That's actually not happening, though. It's really funny. You would have thought that would happen, but some research just came out the other day that the big cities are getting bigger, Yikes. getting more crowded than ever because there's the skills kind of magnetism of, oh, there's other people in this city that already know these things, so maybe I should put my group there also so I can tap into that school pool. Um, It's a real challenge, you know, for the economy to, to grow outside of the big cities right now. So, yeah, which is why, hence, the the 24 extra minutes on your commute. Hey, do you have a long commute that you hate? Um, Are you thinking that you're a remote worker and there are no jobs out there and you can't find them? Well, 
guess what? We're here to help you today. 844-942-7866. Our keyword of the day, which I love that you brought up, Josh, is reinvention. And I think this is this is what we all need to do for 2020, to not only 2020, but beyond. And it's also, instead of looking at it as a have to, I want people to look at it as a get to. We get to reinvent ourselves, which is something that, that 30 years ago wasn't really an option and, and people really struggled to do, but we get to do different things. We get to change up our titles. We get to change up where we're working, where we're living. And that is actually a very exciting thing. Hey, 844-942-7866. If you've got a question, it's Thursday, noon Eastern. We're here all hour taking your calls on any and all job search topics. Will there be a recession? Are you worried about a recession? How do you prepare for that? We can help you, 844 Can I add one more point while we're waiting for a call? Um, you know, one of the other things that I think I really encourage people that are looking for a new job or thinking about a new job is to figure out what you like to do. Um, <clears throat> you know, jobs are so pixelated, and there's so many different types of roles in companies now. Um, you don't have to slot yourself into the standard job title, you know, that may appear on a job website the way you used to. And the best way to find the role that you're going to be most interested in next is to spend a little bit of time thinking about what you love doing in the job you're in and what you don't like doing, because those are the things you're probably good at. The things that you like doing, you're probably very good at, and you can reinforce that in the next role. And so I always go back to people who are asking me, you know, should I do this job or that job? I I just ask them some basic questions. Well, what, what do you enjoy doing at work, and what are the things that you are really good at and that will help you figure out where to go next. Yeah, um, and I that's totally an agree. That we now have totally agree. And here's the thing: maybe you hate your job right now. Maybe you're in a toxic environment, or maybe um, there, there's you're thinking, oh, "There's nothing I like about what I do." But I'm going to challenge you because here's the thing: even if there's only five percent of your job that you enjoy. Zone in on that 5% and start saying, what other roles can can I do this in? The other thing is be careful because sometimes one factor can really make a job seem awful. So maybe you just have an awful boss and that's overshadowing everything. Or maybe you do have that really long commute and so you love the work you do, but it's just such a torture to get there. So be careful to throw out everything when it might be just one thing. Because I think when you step back and you start looking at, what do I love? to do even if it's only five percent of my job and what are those things that might be getting in the way that I can fix maybe in my current job or at least in the next job that will help you 844-942-7866 so let's let's keep on that topic Josh because you talk about hybrid Mm -hmm. roles and that these are the things of the future so if you're worried about a recession if you're worried about automation taking over your job you need to know about hybrid roles right well you know it you know it used to be you know, many years ago, jobs were basically designed. There was a there's a job called job design. There's people that design jobs, and they used to put little boxes around jobs and say, okay, you know, this person's going to do this task, and then the person next to them is going to do the next task. And this kind of comes from the industrial age. So we had very clear definitions around what our job was. Um, that's certainly the way I was hired in early my early career too. And then what happened is. You know, organizations got flatter, and we got more interconnected, and we got all these digital tools, and pretty soon we started working in teams, and we don't really have as clear a job as we used to in the past. And so, you know, if you're a software engineer and you really like writing code, that's great. But sometimes you're going to have to work with a designer. Sometimes you're going to have to look at data. You may have to be a full-stack engineer and work on levels of code that you've never touched before. You're going to be in meetings where people are debating with you, and you're going to have to listen and maybe you know, be a collaborative problem solver. You don't just get to sit around and write code all day. And that's happening to every single job. People that started in early, early in the phase of a new technology, for example, technologists are in high demand. But a few years later, after a lot of people learn that technology, it's how to apply it. It's how to design it. It's how to um, you know, implement it in different industry solutions. So all the jobs in the world become more hybrid over time. And for somebody who's been in their job a long time, if you look at a senior person who you highly respect, what you realize is that the soft skills or the human skills or the relationship skills have become at least as important as the technical skills, perhaps more important, because of this hybridization of jobs. There's a really interesting study on this done by a company in New England called Burning Glass, 
and they look at the um, salary progression of different roles. <clears throat> and what you see is that um, if you look at data scientists, for example, which was the hottest job of maybe two years ago, very high paid, very um, in-demand, difficult to find people. Well, now data scientists kind of go to, you know, you kind of come out of college. You can study data science. And so now data, now data scientists are being asked to understand research methods, communications, storytelling, visualization. Um, they're being asked to be more creative. You know, th 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 more of the soft skills around the job have been added, and that's happening to every single role. So regardless of the job you're in, um, you're going to find, you know, some technical skills are needed, some soft skills are needed. And I think the way to deal with that is to just be curious. Be curious about the adjacent things that are related to what you're doing today and spend a little bit of time learning about them, and you'll make sure that you're always becoming hybrid as the role itself becomes more hybrid. Yep. Hybrid jobs often pay more. They're immune to automation. So if you are thinking, I'm a little bit nervous about where my career is going or where my industry is going or where my company is going, think about what you're doing as perhaps a specialist and how you can branch out to build some of these. And I agree with you, Josh. I don't even call them soft skills. I call them core yeah. skills now. How you can bring those to your role. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. And I think we need to talk to Dion about, about Antarctica. So, Dion. What's up? <laughs> Dion, have you been to Antarctica? <laughs> no. Okay. But you didn't need to for this question. So why why does this lake in Antarctica never freeze? It's a saltwater lake. Ah, oh, you took you took Dana's answer. It is. And that yeah. But but but, but but salt water does freeze. It's just that this particular lake has a salinity level of 10 times higher than the ocean. So even with water temperatures as low as negative four, it remains liquid. So there you go. There here's, you go. Here's another fun thing I've learned about Antarctica. Aside. It's, the, it's the fifth largest continent, but this is more interesting. Because the north and south poles of the Earth are outside the boundaries of an official time zone, they're considered to be in all time zones. So that's weird. How Isn't that it weird? <laughs> this is because, yeah, the longitude lines used to separate individual time zones converge. So if you think about the globe and the longitude lines, we, there's no separation. So so essentially what they do is that you are considered to be in the time zone of whatever place you you just left. So that's your time zone. And wow. if, I know. Is that crazy? And if you're in a research center. <laughs> yeah, it's not there, confusing at all. If you're in a research center, you stay in the time zone of your home country, um, which is, yeah, it just blows your mind. But think about it. This time of year, it's sunny all year round. And then, you know, six months from now, it'll be dark all year round. So what, what good are time zones on you? I know. It's very cool. It's I very weird. your outlook calendar. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the great news is there's no internet there. Like, we're totally disconnected from Wi-Fi. So you're like, you know, you're just... There's there's nothing. It's, it's, a, it's an untouched place of in the world, so it's kind of crazy. But anyway, there there's my fun fact about Antarctica. <laughs> there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We're never we're never. Uh, you, it's always a great place to learn about conversation you can have when you're networking. If you say you have no idea what to talk about, now you can talk about the time zones in Antarctica, and people will be like, "Wow, that's interesting." There you go, Dion. Yeah. <laughs> I'll use that. Yeah. <laughs> Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to Dr. Don on Careers. We're here all hour taking your calls. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And we are talking all about 2020. What you need to know about the workforce, the job search, careers, and we are here with Josh Burson, who you is know, Don. One thing you know that I would also add for people that are listening. Um, one of the ways to continuously evolve, progress in your career is to look for projects at work that are in a little bit of a different area of your current job. And that used to be a risky thing to do in companies where, you know, I get, you know, I remember this in my career, I got assigned to something that I didn't want to do and I had to do it and I was worried I wasn't going to be able to do it very well and maybe my boss wouldn't like my results in that thing. It's kind of the opposite now. The more exposure you have to um, different parts of the company, different projects, different teams, the better you're going to be career-wise. And so this idea of exposure 
is you know I you know it's part of the education process is really getting to know other things that are going on in the company and working on different kinds of projects and that will improve your hybrid skills as we just talked about before. Yeah, and if you're not sure how this may be a great thing to talk to your boss about is like, you know, I'm looking to develop new skills and you can frame it in the sense of I want to be a better uh, client manager. I want mm-hmm. to be able to serve our customers better and it'll really be interesting for me to learn what they're doing over here in marketing or to learn how our internal systems work because what manager isn't going to say, "Wow, like that's that's impressive." So yeah, I love that idea. And you know, something else that's interesting that I came across is that age-wise the current workforce is the most heterogeneous in history. And we have basically um, five generations working right now. And one of the things, Josh, that comes up a lot on this show is is age bias and, you know, people are working longer. And, you know, what what do you see with all of these changes in terms of hybrid careers and automation? What do you see for the, the you know, the, the aging workforce? Yeah, it's a big, it, you know, there's this concept of generational diversity that I don't think hit the mainstream yet, but it's getting there. Uh, you know, we've talked about gender diversity and cultural diversity and racial diversity and all the other aspects, but the generations are an opportunity to be biased or unbiased. Um, you know, I'm now in my 60s, so, you know, I people look at me a little different than they used to. I don't feel that old, but I am older. So, you know, I would not be eligible for a lot of jobs. And in the San Francisco Bay Area, if you're my age and you're a tech worker, you know, kind of good luck. It's hard to find a job because companies will look for somebody younger who makes less money and maybe is willing to work a little harder or they perceive that or they perceive that young, the young person might be more agile in their learning capabilities, which is not true. But there's a lot of bias. And um, it's going to be a big issue because we're running out of workers. I mean, the, the, the workforce is not growing at the rate the job market is. And so the fastest segment of the working population is now people over the age of 55. And so, you know, if you work in a company that doesn't have a lot of older people, um, you're probably biased in some sense just because of the nature of the group that you're in. So, so I think this is going to be a big topic. HR departments are starting to talk about it more. Companies are starting to put together new programs and new um, sort of career paths for people at older ages. Um, and then for those people that are younger, um, what the research tends to find is they actually like having more senior people around. Um, you know, older people are good mentors. They tend to be a little more um, stable because they're not necessarily at this really highly ambitious early part of their career. And so it makes the workplace, you know, a better place to be. So it's an interesting topic that I think is going to be a really big one in 2020. Yeah, and I would imagine as we go towards more of a hybrid, um, you know, soft skills type need that, you know, older workers have these skills in spades because they've worked through so many different types of cultures, different Mm -hmm. types of organizations, different types of communication tools. There's been so many different things that there's an adaptability that comes with that that I would imagine companies would appreciate. Yeah, older workers, you know, tend to be a little, have a little more judgment. Not not because they're any smarter, but they've been around the block. They've seen a lot of these situations before. I, I can't tell you when I was working for the consulting firm I was working for, my, I worked, I spent six years working for people that were 20 years younger than me. And, um, you know, they were dealing with issues that I had seen before, and I had to learn how to be a coach to them. Sometimes I was successful, sometimes I wasn't. But, um I, I think you'd be surprised having older people around is a good thing. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely I definitely agree with you. Hey, you're listening to Dr. Don on careers. We're gonna go back to the phones right now with Nathan in California. Nathan, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today. Hey, thanks for taking my call. So, you know, I just wanna uh alert people to the fact that age discrimination is just sort of accepted in a way that uh gender or race discrimination would not be. And in case in point what you were just discussing and I'm not blaming you. This is the prevalent social attitude. But can you imagine someone on the radio saying, well, you know, I happen to be of a certain religion or a certain ethnic group. And we all know that in the San Francisco Bay Area, people like that are not wanted by companies. And it would just be discussed as if there was no taboo. I know. No, you're and right. To me, that, that's shocking. And it by shocking. the way, yeah. it is against the law to discriminate against people because they're over 40. And yet... And I've encountered this in my own life. Um, I'm actually a Wharton alum. I've had career counselors say, you know, 
obscure certain facts about you that will allow people to know how old you are. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of cultural change that needs to happen because, again, nobody would say, oh, well, I'm Hispanic and I know I can't get a job in the Bay Area. I mean, that's mm-hmm. nuts. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that's exactly what we're talking about here, Nathan. And I think I think if you think about it, 30, 40 years ago, things that were acceptable then that we would, would say are not acceptable now, and I think this is one that we can only hope as we move forward is going to change. But I think this is the, this is you're talking about the ideal versus reality. And, um, yeah, you're right. I think I would coach somebody to, to obscure dates and things of that nature right now too because the fact is if you want to get a job, as much as the game is unfair, you have to play that game. That's not saying it's the right thing, but that's kind of where we are. Josh, I'd love your opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of sickening to me too. I, I've, you know, I, like I said, I have a lot of friends who my age who basically stopped working because they can't find a job, and they're very, very talented people because they're, they're because of the age discrimination they've faced in their mid to late sixties, um, which doesn't make any sense because most of us my age are going to live at least 20 or 30 years, hopefully longer, and we're very much in the middle of our careers, not at the end. Um, And I think some of it gets back to the youth-oriented culture of the United States. There are countries where age is considered to be a reverent thing and highly respected. You know, in the United States, we don't necessarily take care of old people like other countries do. Although I have to say, you know, I'm kind of interested in the fact that, you know, a lot of the presidential candidates are all in their 70s <laughs> yeah but you hear about so that too i mean change I mean, know, maybe this is this problem will go away I, I think we're in the beginning of this becoming the next um big topic yeah um, no and i think uh yeah i think there's so many things that need to change and that's why we're here on sirius xm 132 to discuss them and nathan thank you so much for calling we love uh people calling in and sharing their ideas and opinions so we really appreciate that here on dr donna on careers and this time has gone by so very quickly um josh thank you so much for coming on on january 2nd so early in the year to share your tips and insights about the future of work one last time where can people reach you uh josh person j-o-s-h-b-e-r-s-i-n.com is the best place awesome well we wish you all the best in the new year josh and i highly recommend listeners follow what josh is saying because he's got a lot of great data out there that can inform you of how you can have a successful career today and in the future and i want to do a quick shout out to bob courtright who is an early adopter of this show and a fantastic guest happy birthday i know you'll be celebrating it to the fullest bob so if you are just tuning in unfortunately you missed the show but guess what we'll be replaying Playing it several times on SiriusXM 132. And Dr. Dawn on Careers is also podcasted on iTunes and Google Play. So you can subscribe to that and get every edition. We've been doing the show for almost five years now, and all the back issues are there. So wishing everybody a very, very happy, successful, and prosperous 2020. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. We're here for you every Thursday live at 844-942-7866 on Sirius. XM 132 and we look forward to talking with you in 2020. Site from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.